What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. All right, what's up, Gravel Family? I am Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we just finally wrapped up our Mid-South podcast. That was a good run. Yeah, yeah. And we're just about to head down to Unbound in a few weeks, and we'll have some more live podcasts for y'all. Yep, so if you are coming down to Unbound, stop by the Lauf booth. We'll be posting of which time. So we're actually going to do two days. We're going to kind of split it up, because normally we do like a gauntlet in one day, and we're just exhausted. Uh, so we're going to do two days, Thursday and Friday yeah. of like three or maybe four each day, probably three. Um, but yeah, we've got Ashton Lambie signed up. Hopefully Kai Takashita. We're so hoping for her. Um, we're, and then we're hoping for a couple Hall of Famers, new and old. So yeah. it, we're going to have some awesome, awesome podcasts in the Lauf booth. We're absolutely pumped. Yep. And also... The Hall of Fame. We're super excited oh. to be down there to celebrate our queen of gravel, Allison Tetrick. Yes. It's going to be awesome. So if you're going to be down at Unbound, come down and hang out with us starting Wednesday. So the first group ride of Unbound Week is the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame group ride at 11. Yeah. And then then the Hall of Fame ceremonies from 6 to 8. And after party sponsored by Lauf is uh from eight to ten so i am most excited for that not gonna lie yep do you have your your sequin dress for no, allison yet i'm actually a shocker i'm headed down to nashville this weekend <laughs> so i'm gonna go and shop for a sparkly dress down there that's the plan so i got my cowboy hat that was my requirement from allison as i had to do i have to do because like i'm presenting because i'm on the board do mm-hmm. i have to wear my cowboy hat while I'm presenting at the Hall of Fame, I feel like I, I think so. I think you got to keep it on the whole time. Are you getting a bolo tie too? Oh man, I didn't know that was a requirement. It, I don't think it's a requirement, but it looks great with a cowboy hat. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to think <laughs> about it. I think that might be too much. I got, I gotta have a little like bolo's not my vibe. I pulled off the cowboy hat, great. Bolo's a whole nother level. I don't know if I'm ready. And that's country, country. Right there. <laughs> that's country, country. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, uh, hang out with us down at Unbound. Also, get signed up for Gravel Worlds. We're yeah. like three months out. Gravel Worlds is right around the corner. Um, registration's wide open. So gravel-worlds.com. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Now, instead of like months, we get to count down weeks because yeah. it's finally like warming up outside. It's pretty much almost June. Feels like summer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, get signed up. It's going to be a blast. And like our we guys, cyclists. You got to step up your game because we like right now, I think it's one in every five are runners signed yeah. up. You went to the marathon, the Lincoln Marathon Expo. How many people signed up there? We had 41 Jeez. runners sign up on Expo Day. And that's like actual sign ups. That's yeah. not like people like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Imagine how many people who were probably like, oh, yeah, I'll think about it. Check the calendar. Yeah. So all I'm saying, guys, is we don't want them runners taking over cyclists. Actually, that would be rad if we have a huge I gravel so run. Too. Yeah, I think it would be awesome. When we, th- I really loved because we both helped out at the marathon 
Jason and his wife Annie actually led out the lead marathoner. Um, and then I was along course in two different places cheering. It was so fun to like kind of be in it and yeah. like see the whole experience because it goes by my house, like literally behind my backyard every year. And I sit out and like watch a little bit about it. But like being there at aid stations and stuff, that was so fun. Yeah. It, we just love going to events. Like, even yeah. if we're not putting oh it gosh, on, like, events are the best. And just shout out to the volunteers. Like, oh we got Gravel Worlds doesn't happen without volunteers. Any event, in the at least in the United States, does not exist without volunteers. So if you're going to an event, go help with check-in. Go help, like, so fun. you have no idea how much of an impact you all make. And, it, and it's a blast. It's like, a blast and a half. Volunteering is so much fun like we're not exaggerating like we're when we go to events we volunteer when yeah. we're there like not because we feel like we have to like because it's awesome because it, you get to see everyone like if you're just like walking around the expo or whatever like you're probably not going to see all your friends but if you're volunteering there's a pretty good chance you'll see the majority of your friends just in that one time of volunteering yeah yeah i mean and like we have a bunch of our pros that yeah. will like volunteer at check-in because they're Shout like out to Eno, Eno and Chase work. They mm. all like they do tons of volunteering, and it's like they they always say it's like I get to meet everybody and I get to yeah. hang out. So yeah, volunteer for sure. Today's guest, I get to introduce. Uh oh. Because drumroll, I am interviewing Jason. Oh. We've been throwing around this idea for a while. Like, what if we interview each other? Like, what if we like. I feel like a lot of people don't know us. <laughs> yeah. So this is the chance. It's weird. Just, so yeah, this week it I is me, and then next week we're I'll I'll be interviewing Sophia. So for the record, this is weird for us. This is really weird. <laughs> so <laughs> you we, all asked for this. <laughs> we were on the phone earlier, and I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about, and he's like, All right, I'll just come up with some questions. Yeah. So we're really good at talking to other people about them, but like about us, we were like, it was so even just like <laughs> thinking about what, like what we should talk about was like, this is weird. So just so you know, it's awkward for us, but we hope you enjoy it. We hope you get to know who we are a little bit. And then after us, yeah. then we have Corey Godfrey on and he's going to be, um, so the first week of June, we're going to have Corey Godfrey on, who's the founder of Gravel Worlds, and we're going to talk about the Tour Divide, because he completed yeah. the Tour Divide, an amazing, amazing accomplishment, and we just go into crazy stories that happened to him. And I really love that episode, because usually in our interviews, it's like, okay, who are you as a person? You know, what's your background in cycling, all that stuff. But in this one, like, we actually talk about just one event. Yep. And it was an epic event. So you guys are not going to want to miss that episode. Yep. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's do it. Well, Jason, you are the director of operations and marketing and promoter of Gravel Worlds, husband to Annie Strobing, photographer, and a few weeks ago, we were at Gravel Camp, and Hannah Shell and I and a few others were around the table, <laughs> and we were thrown around. I don't know how we even got this to this topic, but we gave Jason... The nickname Gravel Dad. I'm changing it to Gravel Daddy because it's awesome. <laughs> Sounds so bad. <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast, me. <laughs> is that this is going to be awkward the whole time. I'm excited for this. All right. Well, let's just jump into it. So uh, 
your life currently, you are the promoter slash director of operations and marketing for Gravel Worlds. How did you come into that position and what is your history with Gravel Worlds as a whole? Yeah, so I my first Gravel Worlds was in 2018. So I funny story with my first Gravel Worlds and only Gravel Worlds I've ridden except for uh, COVID year. Uh, I started the 150. Uh, I had completed Unbound that year. Uh, I had completed Mid-South. So I, I was in good fit shape. Uh, but Annie had gotten Lady Gaga tickets the same night. Oh, no. So I got to about mile 80, I think. And I was like, I'm at a point where I'm going to have to decide which one I'm having a good time with. And it was either a good time with Annie or a good time just pushing through another 70 miles of gravel worlds. And I chose for Andy to come pick me up and we had a great time in Omaha <laughs> at Lady Gaga. <laughs> so technically I have never actually finished a gravel worlds except I did the year of COVID. So yeah. I did the full one. The virtual one. I actually did every distance. So that year nice. with COVID we, you could, if you did multiple distances on the, our, our virtual, you could do it. So I did, Oh, Our 150 that. course, 75 course, and the 50K course that year. So I kind of made up for it. Uh, so yeah, that was so 2018 was the first year I really kind of got into the local gravel scene and did Gravel Worlds. Um, and I don't really remember how it started, but I had met Corey a few times at different events. And I had just asked, like, hey, do you need help like at Gravel Worlds 2019? Um and he was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I, like, so I'm really good at social media. So I just basically took over social media in 2019 and went around and did interviews at the expo and did race line coverage and was there to give Allison her uh, a hug at the finish. So it was awesome to give her her first hug when she won for the third time. I just, we didn't have <laughs> yeah, champagne. You, yeah, yeah, it was water. That was the, the last year of no champagne. So now That's we have true. so much champagne to spray on people. So I think the best change since... Jason came in to Gravel Worlds with starting the champagne <laughs> tradition. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's what I, I can be known for as my legacy at Gravel mm -hmm. Worlds. I love it. Um, so, yeah, just uh, hung out um, the whole day um, and was hooked. And so yeah. that from through 2019, uh, just became really involved with Gravel Worlds. Corey invited me on. Uh, it was kind of at a point where they needed more help as the event got a little bit bigger. Um, and then unfortunately, 2020 happened. Yeah. Um, and I was I, I was able to help out a lot through the virtual stuff. So Corey was was just kind of burnt out, and he was he worked in the medical world, so he was so busy um, with COVID. Uh, so I, I did a lot of work on the virtual side of things. So we did a thing in April, I think, for COVID uh, to help local businesses. And then we did a full-on virtual event in 2020. So I did was fortunate enough to do a, a majority of the work in 2020. Um, yeah, so then 2021, we really built, Corey and I and uh, Craig uh, really built, and then the rest of our team mm -hmm. really built up Gravel Worlds. And it, it was kind of like... People were ready to get back. The event was bigger than it had ever been. Um, and yeah, it just it just really took off. But it got to a point where Corey and I in 2021 looked at each other and said, like, we either have to scale this back or scale it up to sustain one of us to be one or both of us to be full time. And we decided to scale it up um, because we were just... It, 
we were so busy. It, yeah. it was we were so so busy and because you still uh, had your full time job working we, at Sandhills at that time. Yeah, I was at Sandhills. Corey still had uh, his job in the medical world, um, and like, our whole team was full or had full time jobs. And yeah. it just got to a point where it wasn't sustainable. It's it, it became year round of working with sponsors and permits and all that stuff to where it's it's a full-time year year-round job for us so in 2021 we we decided together um that we were going to attempt to scale it up um i with the support of my wife um i quit my job at like shortly after gravel worlds 2021 to just focus on gravel worlds focus on helping getting more sponsors um building up registration all that stuff and luckily that risk paid off and 2022 is again our biggest year yet and we have good momentum going into 2023 so yeah it was just kind of right place at the right time when Corey needed help and I was really really thankful that I got the opportunity and Corey let me be very intimately involved with the event and um yeah it's just been a good good ride since then so yeah it was crazy because my first Gravel Worlds well, and only Gravel Worlds was 2019. Um, and I had known of you a little bit. I remember like I'd been to your house to drop off a cycling shirt of some sort like years back. Um, you know, we'd run into each other at events, but I didn't know you until I crossed the finish line and I was like, y- let out a yell or something. And you were right there and you you yelled back and I was like, that's Jason, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's who that is. <laughs> yeah. And now like, look at it. Yeah. It's like 2019 was just, yeah, the right place that they needed help. And I came on board and it was awesome. So, um, yeah, I, at 2019 gravel worlds was like a big push on the trajectory of my life for sure. Well, even though you've only done Gravel Worlds one time, you've done a lot of other events as well. Um, your first one being Odin's Revenge, RIP. Yeah. That one doesn't sadly exist anymore. Um, but kind of a cool story that you've shared multiple times before is that the first ever person that you met at that race, your first gravel race, is one of your really good, like going to be a lifetime long friend, uh, Matt Gersib. So what does that say um about the community and what does that chance encounter mean to you man i i love the story of my first gravel event is because it because it i don't know where my life would be without that silly gravel event you know like i had done mountain bike races i had done road races and like we hear it a lot on the podcast is it there's just again, nothing against those genres of cycling. It's just, they, it's the community isn't always there. Um, like it is with gravel and, um, I've never been anything remotely close to an an elite athlete, which I, I think those other genres of cycling, uh, focus on a lot. Uh, again, not, not a problem with that, but you know, with categories and, uh, having to get licenses and all that stuff. It just didn't click with me. And when you'd finish a race, it didn't feel like people would hang out as much. Um, but yeah, from my first gravel race, 
Um, I had bought a fat bike for the winter. Um, and then I'm pretty sure it was my brother-in-law, Derek, who invited me to do this race in central Nebraska. Uh, yeah. Called Odin's revenge, an amazing, amazing event. But literally from the very first moment of that event, I was hooked on gravel and that, so literally pull into the parking lot, open the door to where check-in was. It was at a bar in the small town, which a lot of those small town check-ins are like at the bar. So you can get a drink and some delicious fried food right before a long ride. (laughs) And, um, literally I opened the door and Matt Gersib was sitting there at the table and it was kind of like you and I is like, we kind of, I kind of know each other. Like we've seen each other, but don't really have a clue who we are. Um, but yeah, I opened the door and Matt was like, Hey, I think I've seen you before. Uh, when you check in, come sit with us. And that's what we did. And we hung out that night. That is also who Matt is. That is Matt does that to ever Like he yeah. is so welcoming to new people in this community. There's so many people who share that same story that you have. Yeah. And I was just for, like, I didn't know it at the time, but in, in hindsight, like that's what hooked me is like, I want that community. I want that, that friendship at, at events in like the first door I opened. I'm now friends with Matt Gersib, who's a longtime pirate cycling league member. He's been helping with gravel world since day one. And now he's officially, officially on the gravel world's team. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy how much that that one Hey, come sit with us. Changed my love for cycling and changed potentially <laughs> like a lifetime of adventures and stuff. So I could never thank Matt enough for that. And I I don't think I don't know if I'd be here if it wasn't for that. If it would have been another bike race where you show up and you hang out and you're not or you don't hang out with anyone and you finish the race and you go home, I don't know if I'd love this gravel thing like I do. So Um, I, I, I try to, I'm not great at it, but if I see somebody kind of sitting alone at a gravel event, I try to at least go say hi and, um, welcome them over. But I do, I say it a lot. I was like, if you're at a gravel race by yourself, go ask to sit at someone's table because I guarantee you they'll say yes. And if they don't, they're, they're not a gravel cyclist. Like, and the worst thing someone can say is no, like, Oh no, sorry. I don't want to sit with you. Sorry. I got to go make friends. Like, no one's going to be mean about it. Yeah. Every, everyone, you know, if they're new to an event, they're going to feel probably a little awkward, probably a little, everyone's going to feel a little out of place. And so even someone just saying, Hey, what's your name? You want to come sit with us? It could again, change someone's life like it did yours. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm no, I'm fortunate because I'm more seen, I guess, in gravel people, more people know who I am, but so I know there's some, privilege there when I go to events that it's easier for me to go up and say hi and say who I am but like I'm I have friends from all over the world now because of gravel and like that was before I was a promoter of gravel worlds like that happened from going to other events so just go say hi go to these gravel events big or small and make lifetime friends and I like that's a huge reason that I love gravel for sure so what year was that? Was Odin's Revenge? I want to say that was 2016. Um, probably 2016, and then I think my next race after that was Unbound. So Unbound oh 200. So like I did a. So you dove right in. Yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> I was hooked. So I I think because the next year was 2017. I think that was the last year that 
Unbound wasn't a lottery, so it was like okay. first come, first serve. So I got in in the six minutes that it sold out or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, So and since then I've been able to do a bunch of other amazing events and go to some amazing people on the bike. And before that, you dabbled a little bit in road, correct? Yep. So when did you start racing and riding road events? That would have probably been like 2014 or 2015. It was. It took a couple years um, that that I was doing other cycling events, and I had had a mountain bike and like a super fast aero road bike, and so it was all about trying to find uh, KOMs and all that stuff and yeah. how fast I could go, and um, it, which is fun. It's a great time doing that. It just that I was doing a lot of riding alone and even like even like group rides on the road just didn't click like it was always it was like you would show up to these group rides that were community quote quote unquote group rides and it just ended up being a race and like yeah. who had the nicest bike and 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 maybe that's not everywhere and i'm sorry and if you are a road cyclist or a mountain biker and you you found that community i'm incredibly happy for you this, these are my experiences and from what i've heard from other people on on stereotypes so i i know it's not everywhere so i'm i kind of want to put that out there that i'm not saying gravel's better in every single way um and, but if you found community and happiness <laughs> riding a bike like i'm rat, i'm totally okay with that i'm happy that you've done that so um, I don't ever want to intend to make it sound <laughs> like I'm crapping on any other form of cycling. That's not true at all. So, and who got you into that road? Was it just you? You picked up a bike and you're like, Oh, I see this event or what? Um, yeah, I started, so I graduated in 2011 from college and I had like, I, it was like my senior year. I went on a friend with my, uh, on a ride with my friend Cody. Um, he had like an extra bike and it was like, right at the end of the school year. So I had like all of college, I could have been riding with this guy. And it was literally like the last four weeks of school that we, we started riding all the time. Um, but yeah, we went, uh, I think our first ride was like 10 miles on the Mopac. Nice. And then we went like 25 miles. And then I think we did like 35 and I was like, this is so far. I didn't even know you could ride your bike <laughs> this far. Um, and then like now it's like 35 is, a normal Tuesday ride that I'm going to go do tonight or whatever right. <laughs> when we're done recording this. So, um, yeah, just, so that, that's kind of where I got rehooked into riding my bike and riding it a long ways. And then I think it was just the, at the time, especially it was the natural progression. Like you got a fast road bike or you got a nice mountain bike. Um, and you'd either go ride out at Platte state park or you'd ride on highway 34 and do road. Like those were, the two mainstream ways of what you would do. So I think that's, yeah, starting in like 2012, 2013, and then into 2014 when I started racing. But yeah. Nice. And I know we're kind of working, <laughs> we're working backwards here because I keep being, <laughs> okay, so what was before that? But if we throw it all the way back, yep. you actually were raised in Trainor. Am I saying that right? Trainer. 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 Trainer, Iowa, which is this tiny little town right past Council Bluffs. Um, and that's a, country community so yeah. you were raised surrounded by gravel roads do you think that being raised around those roads had any impact on you being in this gravel community now it's it's one of those like i don't know if it impacted me or i look back on it and i'm nostalgic for it um it, it does go to where 
we, we say it here in the Midwest a lot, especially people coming from the coast or, um, even like starting in Ohio going East or it's like the, almost all the roads are paved. So like, but around here from like, for sure, like Indiana through Western Nebraska from pretty much all the way, the border, both borders in the middle of the country, it's like our roads are gravel and when they're not interstate and they're not highway, everything in between is gravel, like almost on a perfect one mile square grid. Um, I'm pretty sure the state of Iowa has more gravel roads than any other state. And it's an astronomical number. I think it's like a hundred thousand miles of gravel roads in the state. So like where I grew up, it's not weird that Mm -hmm. of gravel roads and, you know, we had a family farm and I had all my friends had farms. So like driving around on gravel roads all the time and we would ride our bikes out on the gravel roads. So at the time it wasn't weird. Um, but it certainly feels nostalgic now and feels like, well, I don't know, like I was supposed to do this kind of thing. And especially with my grandpa, I look back now and my first memories of riding a bike were with my grandpa on gravel roads. And that's incredibly special for me that I have these memories now as an adult on gravel roads and the yeah. community that and friends that I've created on gravel because of just some crushed roads, like crushed rocks on roads, like that's really all it is and riding your bike on it. But, um, I have just such great memories of riding with my grandpa on crushed limestone roads in Iowa. And I, I wouldn't change it. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's nostalgia or it actually was like a guiding light of like, Hey, here's where you're going, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. What are the roads like over there? Are they as hilly as Nebraska is? Uh, I mean, it, Iowa's kind of like Nebraska where some of it kind of depends. So like parts of Iowa are, are really flat and parts of it are crazy hilly. So where I grew up on the western side of Iowa near like Council Bluffs are the Lust Hills is what it's called. So, um, oh, my gosh, I thought they're lowest for the longest time. <laughs> well, well, you just changed my life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we that's where we grew up in. I, I, they're very similar to like the Bohemian Alps where mm-hmm. our hilliest parts around here are, is the average kind of where I grew up. So it's really big, um, rolling hills that are slightly steeper, slightly longer than the average of gravel worlds. So, um, I am excited because the long voyage 300 this year is going to go over to Iowa oh, on the roads that I grew yeah. up on. So I'm actually going to take you guys to my hometown on the long voyage 300, so it'll be cool. Uh, you'll probably even on bike, if you blink, you'll probably miss the town, but, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be really cool to take you guys on those, those windy roads. So it's going to be a hilly, difficult 300. Um, but it'll be, it'll be an awesome, awesome adventure over there. And even though you'll probably be at night when you're on those roads in Iowa, you'll, you'll get a taste of what I grew up on. That's amazing. So is the long voyage going just Nebraska and Iowa this year? Yep. Just, just Nebraska and Iowa. I really, really want to do a four state long voyage. It's, it's just getting the corner of Iowa and Missouri and Nebraska down there. It's, either paved or the road's kind of dead end because those those hills the less hills are so so steep and a lot of the roads don't go through so i really don't want to be sending them on windy roads uh right windy highways i guess at night for sure so 
I'll I'll make it happen eventually, but I really like the two state idea of getting them. Like, there's something really cool around that. So it'll basically be a giant loop around Omaha, is what the 300 route will be. Okay. Okay. So it goes north past Omaha. Yep. So it starts on the south. You enter south of Omaha into Iowa, and then you do a giant loop going out of Omaha or north of Omaha. Dang. Big loop. Big challenge for mm. sure. So is it going through Nebraska City area then no, on the go, way out? On the way out, it'll be Glenwood. So in farther north, uh, like Plattsmith area. Awesome. So it won't go as far at south as Nebraska City, but it'll it'll be a good... And then once you get over into Iowa, like once you get past Glenwood yeah. and out of the river bottom, it is spicy. It is going to be <laughs> a spicy, spicy course. <laughs> So for reference, I try to bike home once a year and it's about a hundred miles to my house. It's like 95 miles for most of the routes I put together. And so 95 miles, about 25 of those miles are in Iowa, but like 60% of the elevation is in that 25 miles of that whole trip. So it's, it is spicy for sure. So yeah, I've been to trainer once. Um, Jason starts laughing because he knows where this is going. <laughs> so my brother Russ and I were invited to Jason's family's for Christmas two years ago. And we're having a great time. You know, Christmas, you know, is there. It's, it's a great holiday. Love it. Except now this is the holiday of the anniversary of the day that Jason flipped an ATV with me in it. I There's <laughs> no evidence for that at all. But. But the band, I can't believe you told that story. Yeah. Uh, so my parents got a brand new ATV <laughs> and uh, I took it out in the field and hit a corn rut and rolled it right on its top with Sophia inside. <laughs> so that was that was a great Christmas. Nobody was hurt, though. So except for my your neck and my thumbs, actually, from holding on to the steering wheel. So. Thanks for putting that in my podcast, Sophia. Appreciate that. It was a, it was a great memory. It was so funny. Yeah, it was awesome. It Look, was so good. Looking back, it's funny. <laughs> I think everyone involved thinks it's funny looking back. Oh, yeah. I get I get reminded of it quite a bit, but it's worth it because that was quite silly. <laughs> so. Switching gears, um, in addition to being a promoter for Gravel Worlds, you're also a photographer, and you have been for quite some time, um, and you have actually spent time photographing some races and events uh, before, and just sport photography in general. What are some things that you've wanted to highlight through those images when you are capturing races and events? Oh, man. As On the athletic side, I guess in all of my photography, in like weddings and stuff too is capturing the moments as they are is really important to me. Um, and, and then especially with events, um, and I'll give some love to Joshua strong here. Who's an incredible photographer. I actually just hired him today Heck yeah. to do our videography this year. So the reason, so Joshua strong, I, I don't like talk about by myself, but the reason I love his photography and I hope mine does too, is it captures more than just oh i'm riding my bike yeah. or you're riding your bike it's the the in the like the emotion the emotion inside yeah. the the photography so it's not it's the the hug at the finish line it's not necessarily the going up a big hill and and it can be that too but it's for 
for my photography and then especially on wedding days too when i do weddings is like capturing that those moments capturing the moments of emotion that you want to remember for like 20 years that my goal of when you look at your wedding photography or your event photography is when you when you look at that in 10 years from now you're able to look at that one picture and know exactly the moment that that was and how you felt like that's super special to me um to be able to do that so um yeah i've i've been doing photography uh for a long time and um i have significantly backed off the professional side of it and which has been great because it's not a job for me anymore i'm able to go capture pictures of flowers or like bugs or pets and all that stuff uh, on our adventures um, rather than having to treat it like a job but um yeah i do do miss doing weddings sometimes too but gravel worlds is his is my baby so <laughs> i i gotta take care of that so um yeah i i love taking photos a lot of the photos on our website and stuff before the race um those are those are often mine on our instagram and and stuff so um but yeah what got you into photography in the first place um i've always been artistic uh so like i was in art all the way through high school and did music and all that stuff. So I've always been, um, pretty artistic. It was a more obtainable form of art in, um, in more situations, I I should say. So like I did a lot of like spray paint art. So like a a lot of like my bikes that I've painted are spray paint art, which is kind of where that connection is. But my photography you're able to do that form of art in more places in more acceptable ways. So I can't carry a can of spray paint and make a thing of art when I was doing that through college, but you could with photography. Um, And then it also helps that it is a hobby that you can make money off of too, which is, is good. So (laughs) hobbies are expensive. I have a lot of hobbies that are expensive. Um, Cough, cough bikes. Yeah. Yeah. N plus one uh, on bikes, but yeah, so it was, it was a form of a hobby that I could also make some money off of um, while enjoying what I was doing at the same time. So um, yeah. And then I've, I've really enjoyed moving into more like landscapes and, macro photography Mm. um which macro photography is like getting super close to something so it's a special type of lens that you can get like an inch away from a flower or something and you just see things especially in nature that you can't see with your naked eye uh which i've really really enjoyed so and and that kind of passion with that integrates with my wife annie who loves plants and so like our house is either filled with her plants or pictures of plants that I've taken and like yeah so I've, I've really enjoyed the macro photography side um, just really getting up and close with nature of plants and animals that you just don't get to see in other ways like with your naked eye that I think are really 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 cool I've always wondered this but as a wedding photographer what was that first wedding like because I can't imagine how nerve-wracking it is because there's so much pressure going into a wedding like to capture all of those once in a lifetime memories and you're like the only one capturing those so what what were your thoughts thoughts going into that first time um well so man we're getting into whole like 
apprenticeship in art kind of conversation, which like tattooing and all that stuff, there's apprenticeship in art. And I, I, for me, I have a lot of respect in that process in art where, so I, and I also have a lot of respect for weddings, uh, cause I've had friends that have had horrible, horrible wedding situate photography situations where they lose their whole day. Um, so it was important for me to do it the right way. Cause it is very special, like yeah. for me and for the client obviously too. So, uh, I actually photographed as a second photographer, I think like 10 weddings before I did my own. Okay. So you were not by yourself the first time. No, no I okay. was actually hired by someone else, but it was still very nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. But, um, as you get more comfortable as a photographer, like your second is kind of just a backup. Like I could photograph any wedding by myself, even if I have a second or not, like it's kind of like, I always compare it to, it's like an add on, like it's not necessary, but it's definitely an add on. So I was, I was did like 10 weddings with uh, like four or five different, primary photographers so i learned so much in i was those gonna 10 say weddings. i bet you learned a lot from like what you want to have in your you know wedding package you give them and what you don't want in there and what you want to be like on the day and what you don't want to be like yep so i was i was really prepared going into my first wedding it was still nerve-wracking uh but i, I was really prepared going into it and i also was i invested I I was fortunate because I did have a full-time job so I could invest in good equipment where I could have pro level equipment where I'm not going to lose, um, with a bad, uh, memory card or something like that. But so yeah, uh, I, I developed a phrase during my photography that was, um, that I kind of live by and it's ability over confidence, like a math formula. And it's, I, throughout my life, I've learned a lot, (laughs) met a lot of people who, are very, very confident in what they do, but they don't have the ability or skills to back it up. And with, when it, for me with photography and a lot of, or I try with everything I do that I always make sure my ability is above my confidence so that like, no matter how confident I am, like I have the ability to back that up. So especially with weddings, like I, I never, ever wanted to like fake it till you make it like that's one thing especially like weddings like that is their one moment i'm not gonna fake fake my skills hoping i capture it like i knew going into my first wedding like i'm gonna capture everything so yeah i did i hit the 100 wedding mark so i did 100 weddings um which and i've i've significantly backed off so i only have one this year and one next year but um definitely miss doing weddings sometimes but also don't because you you just have to be so emotionally in it and if you're not it's it's not for me so what was your best wedding story what was the funniest thing that's ever happened at a wedding that you've seen oh my gosh uh there are so many my brain goes bad (laughs) like my there's so (laughs) many just like um there's so many just train wreck stories i'll go i'll go positive though um honestly this sounds bad, but COVID weddings were incredible to me because, and, and, and that's honestly because of COVID that I stopped liking weddings so much because Interesting. I really enjoyed the backyard weddings. And I'm very fortunate as the photographer of all the venues and all the vendors that they hire for food and wedding venue, all that stuff. Like the photographer is the last one they get rid of, right? So yeah. even if it's a backyard wedding, I'm still there. And I enjoyed those so much. Like 
Just the, like the intimacy of yeah, them? Yeah. Like every couple I had, every single couple I had in 2020 and early 2021, every single one said, I'm so glad I had a small wedding. And like they were able to talk with their family, the yeah. 10 people that were most important to them. Right. Whoever that is, they were able to have conversations and laugh and tell stories. Like the stories I heard from like childhood from them and like hearing the couples like, I never heard that story about you. Like that was like, I'm getting goosebumps, like thinking about how great that was. So like, Amazing. and then I went back and, you know, 2021 and was doing these 400 person weddings and seeing the stress that it caused, like it just created more stress than it was worth. And I, I honestly think that that, like it kind of broke weddings for me is because like, I think we're getting it wrong. Like, like, yeah. I don't know. Like the party is great. Doing all those things are amazing. And if that's what you want to do, do it. But yeah, I really enjoyed just the intimate backyard weddings of just family and friends. Like who's most important to you spending that time with you. And who are you most yourself around? That's important too, because on that day you want to like look back and have amazing memories. Not, Oh, I was trying to make sure I talked to every single person. I maybe only talked to this person for 10 seconds. And it, I, just I, so stressful. it's the worst sales pitch ever, but I literally every wedding, they're like, what's your biggest advice? And I say elope. And I was like, I know that's the worst sales pitch for me, but like the most happy you'll be is elope with like you and whoever your top five are. Go on a hike, go get a, go, a ordained guy at the courthouse, sign right. the paper and go have an awesome adventure. Like, I know it's horrible sales pitch as a photographer, <laughs> but like, that's the honest truth. <laughs> Speaking of weddings, you and your wife, Annie, just celebrated 10 years of marriage. Congratulations. Last week, May 18th, 10 years. I know. That's crazy. Uh, that's awesome. How do you feel about that? I'm very proud of that. It's a good, It's been a fun 10 years. It's been, if anybody I can, has been married 10 years or 20 years, like marriage is work. And I'm really proud of the work that we've done together and grown together. I'm incredibly thankful for Annie, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you make that known because you talk a lot about how you couldn't do all of this gravel world stuff without her. What, like, what do you mean by that when you say that you couldn't do this without her? I mean, she, she is the one that told me to quit my job. Like she was the one that's like, I got your back. Like you go do this. Um, and I, when I quit my job, I didn't know if I was going to have a paycheck. Like I, I didn't get paid for four months when I did Gravel World. So I quit in September. I knew I wasn't going to get any form of a paycheck till January 1st. So when, when registration opened, yeah, when, well, and when the tax year kind of started again. So I I already knew that going in. Um, and she was the one that was like, you need to do this. Like you, this is your dream. You've always wanted to work for yourself. So I, I wouldn't be doing gravel worlds for sure. Not full time without her. Um, I wouldn't have done photography without her support. So yeah, I mean, she's been my biggest cheerleader um, this whole time. And yeah, I, and if you have been at gravel worlds, <laughs> like, and you see us running around, like th- it doesn't make sense, but as, as promoters, like we forget to eat and we yeah. forget to drink and uh, like, we don't take care of ourselves because we're, we have a billion things on our mind and like she is my like care <laughs> caregiver essentially that week like she's 
She's like, hey, when was the last time you drank water? All right, here's a Gatorade. Hey, I went and got you French fries. Eat some carbs. Like, she's the one that's like, oh, you need to put sunscreen on. Like, it sounds so stupid, but she's like my ultimate, uh, I don't want to say assistant. That's a horrible, but like. Other half. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's, when my brain is doing everything on race week, like, I'm not taking care of my body. And she's like there to help me. And I, it sounds so silly, but every single promoter I talk to, like, you forget to eat, you forget to drink, you forget to put sunscreen on, you forget to do all these well, things. Well, you're pouring so much of yourself into other people in those moments <laughs> that you forget to pour into yourself as yeah. well. And so it's really helpful to have someone there that's making sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. I said it after gravel camp. I kind of realized, I was like, so like race weeks, so gravel camp week, winter endurance, gravel worlds going to races, doing the podcast with you, Sophia, those are all like lift me up and fill me up so much, Yeah. but it's throughout the, all the other time that Annie is what sustains me. Right. Like she's the one that's uplifting me and encouraging me and like, and not only is she, yeah, she's <clears throat> uplifting and she's encouraging you, but she's also like giving you tough love yeah. and she's also telling you like, I think you need to turn your phone off for the weekend. Like this is draining you. You need to take some time for yourself. So she's not afraid to tell it how it is. And that I think that's what makes your relationship also very special. Yeah. She keeps, she keeps me checked. Um, yeah. And like I would, I would never turn work off. Like I, I will never like naturally I'm horrible at it. And like, she's the one like five 30 rolls around. She's like, are you working? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, all right, put your phone down. We're it's family time now. And like, I wouldn't do that without her. So it's yeah, she's she's incredible. So any if you see Annie at race days, be sure to say hi to her too, because she's <laughs> I don't I don't uh, I don't get to do with me without her. She is an introvert though. I was so gonna say not. I don't know if she's gonna like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Her Instagram handle is like an introverted extrovert or something yep, like that. Yep, so yep. <laughs> like extrovert by by force <laughs> and you guys celebrated your 10 years in a really cool way this year you went to hawaii and renewed your vows yes we so hawaii is really special to us um we try to go every year that's like the only thing we spend money on is is going in and to hawaii so yeah we went to Kauai, did a really epic hike and um we're gonna actually rewrite our vows every 10 years oh, so awesome. like um we acknowledge and if you're going into marriage like you're not married to the same person you were 10 years ago we're completely different people um so yeah we're gonna rewrite our vows and it's gonna be it yeah awesome awesome experience and you're also gonna get some cycling done down there huh yeah i'm gonna be there's a hill climb race while i'm there so it's like five thousand feet in 18 miles or something like that something crazy um on the island of Kauai. so and it's paved paved right? yep. okay. very very little gravel on on the islands but yeah i'll be riding my bike while i'm there which is super awesome and alaska airlines messed up our flights so we're there like two weeks instead of like seven days so it's no awesome. wait wait really <laughs> yeah they like messed up our flights and then we got this like crazy credit and they're like you can change your flights to whatever you want and i was like wait really and so we like flew in a week earlier and with the credit and using hilton points we're like it's no it's the same price that's amazing so, so i'll have a couple like meetings at like four in the morning there that i'm gonna do but there could be <laughs> worse places to have 4 a.m meetings yep. than yep. hearing the waves crash in hawaii yep so it'll I, I think i'll survive so it'll be good thanks alaska airlines for 
<laughs> no kidding. Making it right, I guess. No <laughs> like, kidding. So why is Hawaii so special to you guys? I mean, it's where we went on our honeymoon, so maybe there there's something there. Um, but just the um, the Hawaiian culture, and not just like Hawaii, like Hang Ten culture, but like Hawaiian, like the Hawaiian people culture and what they stand for it it just really resonates with me um like how they talk about the land and like when we talked with yataka Mm -hmm. like the the land itself to native americans and um polynesian people and almost every any form of natural human that's where where they're from they really respect the land and the ocean because that's ultimately their life, like mm-hmm. the life giver. And especially on the islands, that's all they have. And if right. you don't take care of the islands, then the islands will die and life can't survive on it. So there's part of that. And there's just this cultural culture of community there that really, really resonates of we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, so it's not, to its core to the people that live on the island it's not always about how who has the biggest house or who makes the most money it's we're all in this together and it's um it's family so uh, yeah like the gravel family it's like hawaiian family kind of the same thing so it's really resonated with us um we want to uh eventually like retire there is is our goal but we want to do it in the right way too so if if that means going there is ethically wrong. We we're not going to do it, but when we try to go and visit, we try to do it the right way too. So, um, again, the thing with the Hawaiian culture is it's not about taking, it's about giving, giving back to the islands. So if you're all you're there to do as a tourist to the islands is take, like take an experience, take a rock, take a piece of coral, take home, whatever that that's doesn't vibe with the Hawaiian culture. It's about giving back. So when we go, we try to do volunteer days that we go every beach we go to, we pick up trash. Um, we try to not live in places that are taking away from the local people as much as we can. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, very, very special place to us. We love the culture, love the people and like the weather and scenery is a bonus on that, I guess. So that all helps. So yeah, I, I, it's obviously paradise in a lot of different ways, but to me, it's about, to us, it's about the people. That's incredible. Are there any races down there that you'd like to do other than this hill climb? Because I know this kind of came up spontaneously that they're like, hey, there's this hill climb happening this weekend. Well, I, re- I really wanted to do Ironman Kona. Like that was like a long time goal, but I can't do Ironman. Uh, I tried to <laughs> tried to do the running <laughs> thing. That didn't work. So I would love to... Um, I have biked the Ironman course on the big Island. So that's been good. The other race I want to do, I've technically done the ride, but I would, would love to go back and do the race and support, um, Donnie at Maui cycles, but the race to the sun, which is the race up Haleakala on Maui. Like I would love to just go do the race, um, and see how slow I am compared to all the other people that go. (laughs) Is there a large cycling population population there? Cause I know a lot of people do it you know, as their hobby, but really racing down there, is that any sort of a thing? It's, um, it depends on the Island Maui and the big Island have a way bigger cycling culture. It's just easier and safer to bike on those islands. Yeah. Um, I'm a little nervous cause we're going to Kauai this time. So it's, I'm a little nervous on the, um, biking side on that Island, but yeah, I'm, uh, there are, 
some races. It's it it's interesting because there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of tourism, so it's yes. hard to find those communities. And that was actually a really good conversation I had with the guy that did Gravel Worlds last year from Hawaii and is coming back and doing uh, the long voyage this year. Actually, he just Connor, signed. Right? Connor's yeah, coming back. Connor so, um, an amazing, amazing human who did some amazing rides on Maui this year and raised like tens of thousands of dollars. So go look him up. He's a pan racer rider. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like one of their big challenges is finding community with local people and not just like, Hey, I'm in town for 10 days. Like, can we do a couple rides together? Which is great, but it's also, you're not finding that consistent community. So, um, I guess I don't really know to be honest, but I know that's something that a lot of the bike shops are working on to create more like consistent rides and stuff. That's really, really cool. Well, before we get going, um, we have never asked each other this question. So, (laughs) you knew it was coming. But, Jason, what does the Gravel family mean to you? I owe a lot to the Gravel family. Um, My life is irreversibly different because of gravel cycling. Um, Whether that means friendship with people like you, Sophia, and Corey and Craig and the Gravel World's crew or people from around the world, I I don't know what my life would be without gravel cycling. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I feel like I owe so much to gravel because it's given me so much and I, I just, I know my work's never going to be done. Um, and just the opportunities and the people that I've met, I am infinitely grateful for all of those relationships and friendships and sponsorships that have turned into lifelong friendships. And yeah, it's, I feel fulfilled for the first time in a very long time because of gravel. And I am very, 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 very thankful for it. Well, thank you for all you do and everything that you pour into this community. And I know you talk a lot, you know, you're always thanking me for what I do for the podcast, but there's so much on the back end that you're doing. You're setting up all of the equipment before I get here. You're helping with all the questions. You're contacting guests. You're making sure that I get here on time because (laughs) we all know (laughs) I sometimes struggle with that. Um, But on the gravel world side, you just, you honestly give all of yourself and people are better because of it so thank you thank you thanks sophia all right well this has been another episode of the gravel family podcast we'll see you next time gravel family podcast is a pirate cycling league production gravel worlds and pirate cycling league are owned and operated by gravel adventures llc lincoln nebraska For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 